0: Good morning. Um, Today, as we start our worship, I would just like to recognize the presence of our uh, friends, uh, John and Shannon Waiminga, who gave their testimony, I think that was June, uh, about their ministry to the indigenous community in uh, British Columbia. So, welcome to our faith community. Thank you. Thank you. Benjamin Franklin once said, that there are only two things that are certain in life. Do you know what that is? There are only two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. But you know what? I would like to add the third one, work. I do believe that work is one certain thing in life because of the fact that that is where everything really springs forth when it comes to the provisions for life, our food, all the things we do, all the things that we own, stems from that aspect of work. But one of the questions that I would like us to reflect on as we think about our theme for this month of faith and work would be, in the first place, we do need to ask ourselves, why are we working? I, for, for many of you, that might just be a simple question or even an obvious question or a question that should not even be answered. Why do we work? But you see, when you try to dig deeper about that question, then you realize that it's not as simple as it sounds because for each one of us, we have different reasons for working. And for many, it might be because you want to be productive. Productivity might be one of the key reasons why you're working. You want to produce. But you see, there's some danger to that because the moment. You focus on productivity as the reason for working, you seem to tie it with your own identity. For many people, they tend to tie their identity with their productivity. But what happens when you lose your work? What happens when you do not become productive anymore? Your self-worth also plummets. And, and you know what? In terms of gender differences, that's actually true with regards to men rather than women. Because for men, there's always the tendency to equate productivity with their own identity. And if you would notice that for many men who would lose their work immediately, their, their self-identity, their self-worth just plummets. Another reason, perhaps, for some people to work would be that that's their passion. They love what they're doing. They want to focus on that specific skills for the rest of their lives. And for them, that's really their passion. That's, that's their calling. Perhaps to be a, a, a scientist, to be, a, to be in the health profession, or even just a baker. Sorry, not use the term just. To be a baker, For them, they're so passionate about that. But there's another way to look at also one reason for working, and that is just for the purpose of provision. And many of us might be in that category. We want to earn. We want to earn our living. But that is also dangerous because of the fact that if you do not consider work as something that is the cause for passion and productivity, and you only focus on purely earning an income, that's problematic in a sense because you're not really putting your heart on your work. You're just there to earn a living. And this is also one of the diseases that might even be affecting many Christians because for them, it seems that work is not really that important. It's just secondary to living and even to worshiping God. For them, work is something secondary and that is not important. And even many Christians tend to believe that work is even a punishment, the result of the fall. Could you imagine considering work as one of the punishments of sin? And for some people, they would tend to quote Genesis chapter 3. And let me read that. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife, let me emphasize that. Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it and all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field, and by the sweat of your brow you will eat of your food, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return." Punishment for sin. But what is the lesson here, my friends? Well, first of all, don't listen to your wife. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I think the lesson that we need to be aware of is this, that we could not read chapter 3 without reading chapter 2 first. And that is, the burden of work and the toil, some of work, happened only after the fall. In fact, it was God who instituted work in chapter 2. If you read chapters 1 and chapter 2, you could actually focus on how God just instituted and ordained work. It's God's purpose. Work became only a burden after the fall. The consequences of the fall would be that when we work, there's that burden and toil attached from our work. Work became a burden for humanity because there was already that separation between God and His creation. And because of that separation, then we toiled. It became a burden. And so we need to go back to chapter 2, and that's the text that we have read just a while ago. What is God's purpose for work? Why is He ordaining work for humanity and for His mankind? You see, there are just three key things that I would just like to emphasize as to God's purpose for work. First, that God's purpose is that it is really essential to man's calling as God's image bearer, because of the fact that we are created in the image of God who works. John chapter uh, Genesis chapter two verse one. Then we need to work as well. That is a reflection of who we are as image bearers of God. Second, we need to realize that work is also a continuation of our creative process or God's creative process. Since God created, then we do need to create as well. We are co-creators. And that's the term that has always been emphasized in Genesis. Since we are co-creators, then our work is a continuation of God's creative process. So work is not something that we just do. It's something that we honor God in everything that we do. And third, work is actually an exercise of our stewardship that's how we show our responsibility to God's creation so let me emphasize those three things that spoke about God's purpose for work that first it is really essential to our calling as image bearers of God and second it is a continuation of God's creative process and third we need to emphasize that that it is an exercise of stewardship God had created us for the purpose of taking care of his creation. But here's the clincher. Those are not the only ones that we need to look at when we look at the reason for why God created work for us. You see, the Hebrew word for work is avoda. Let me emphasize that. The Hebrew word for work is avoda. But, interestingly, the other meaning of avoda is also worship. Let me repeat that. The Hebrew word for work is avoda, or avoda, or however you pronounce that. But it is also translated as worship. Not only that, another meaning of the term avoda is also service. Avoda has three meanings: work, worship, and service. That's very very interesting because in a way that we could see how our work is connected with worship and our service to God. In fact, there are three texts in Scripture that I would like to emphasize that speak of the meaning of these three verses. Let me start first with Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, which is actually in our text. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work a and take care of it. But let me refer you also to Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. And Moses said, And this is what the Lord says Let my people go so that they may worship Avodah, me. That's an interesting thing, right? But let me refer you also to uh, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And Joshua, and that's a very, very common text for us. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will avoda, or serve the Lord. A simple word, but has three meanings. And the way that we look at this would be that the moment we connect work and worship and service, it really changes everything. Yes, work is an act of worship to God. And it is an act of service to God. And the moment we unify all of these things, it really has profound implications with the way we live as Christians. Because work is not just for the purpose of productivity anymore. Work is not just because of our own passion. Work is not just because of the fact that we want to earn a living. Work is for the reason that we worship God and we serve God. And it changes everything. It changes the way we live, and it changes the way that we look at work in that same manner. The moment we unify work and worship, it changes the way that we live and work as Christians. In what ways? First, we could actually just avoid the dichotomy between the sacred and the secular, because that has always been our tendency, that for us, the sacred thing would be different from that which is secular, we tend to look at Sundays as the sacred thing, but for the rest of the week, it becomes such a secular matter. We tend to look at sacredness in terms of pastoral work or, or, or leading a worship team or doing prayer meetings, and that is for us what's sacred. But beyond that, we tend to look at it as a secular thing. Second, we could also avoid this, that, that what, we, what we call as the spit-level spirituality. I got this word from one of my favorite Jesuit authors by the name of Jaime Bulatau, and he said that for many Christians nowadays, we seem to have split-level spirituality or split-level Christianity. And by split-level means that for us, we live a different life when we are inside the church, when we are in our homes, but outside of that, we, we could just do anything that we want. We live according to the values of this world as to what's going on with the world, then we do it. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Split level spirituality. We have two different levels of life. We tend, to be, we tend to appear holy before other people when we are with Christian groups, but when we are with our friends who are unbelievers, we adopt the same values that they have. That's split level Spirituality. But the third aspect that we need to be aware of would be that it could avoid compartmentalizing between faith and works. Because we could not compartmentalize that. We could not separate our faith from our works. We could not just say that Sunday is the only thing that we could express our faith But for the rest of the days, from Mondays to Saturdays, we could live according to any values that we want and according to any standards and the world standards as we want. We could not make those compartmentalizations because as Christians, that means that we need to have that integrated life. And so the question that we need to ask then is this, how can work become worship? In what ways can we honor God With the way that we work. And believe it or not, the answers are just so simple. First, that you just need to express joy in your work. Be joyful in your work. At the beginning, I have said that one of the consequences of the fall and one of the consequences of sin is that work became a burden, it became a toil, it became heavy. And that is the reality of the world that we live in right now. We are still under the power of sin in spite of the fact that we have been saved. And every day you could look at the power of sin at work in this world and even in your life, your struggle against sin, the struggle to live a holy life and to be separate for God and to be separate from sin. That's still the impact of sin in our lives and the way we live. And the impact of sin could also be seen in the way that you work and in your own workplaces. Perhaps many of you here are, 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 are having difficulties in your workplaces. You might be having horrible bosses or monster workmates, but this is still the reality of sin. Many of us are finding ourselves in difficult work conditions. You might be working in a situation where you work in a factory for 12 hours a day and even earning less than the minimum wage. Those are the impacts of sin in everyday life. And for many, you might find work as such a toil because that's not where you want to be. But there's... There are situations which is more worse than that. Consider, for example, what Paul had said to the to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter six, verse five. He said, "Slaves, obey your masters. Slaves, obey your masters." Could you imagine if you're in that situation? and you are being told to still obey your master when in fact you don't even own your time, you don't even own your life. Yet Paul said, slaves obey your masters. Is your work worse than that? We're not talking here about the injustice in the context of slavery. That was not what Paul is saying in this context. What Paul is saying is that in, in the realities of the time where slavery still exists, Paul is saying that whatever situation you find yourself, then you honor God. Because there were so many slaves who were Christians during the time, and if you find yourself in that situation, according to Paul, then still honor God. And that would be true to us today. Whatever situation you find yourself in, express Christ-like attitude. Honor God in all things that you do. In Colossians chapter three verses 23 to 24, Paul said, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. One of the things that I have learned and what I really value about the Reformation is this, that one of the key contributions of the Reformation was the concept and the value of vocation, vocatio which was actually taught by Martin Luther. Vocation comes from the Latin word voca, which means to call. Voca. Vocal. To call. And Martin Luther said, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give us life, or this day, our daily bread. And he does this. He gives us our daily bread. He does it by means of the farmer who planted and harvested the grain, The baker who made the flour into bread and the person who prepared our meal. What Martin Luther is saying is this, that everything you do, whether you're a baker, a farmer, or a worker, that is your vocation. Because you are part of God's creative process for this world. That is how God operates in this world. That's the only way for us to really value how we could use work as a way of worshiping God. Be joyful in worship. Consider your work as a calling. Consider that as a way where God is calling you to worship Him wherever you are, how di- even how difficult that situation is. But the second aspect in terms of really connecting work and worship would be this that you do need to be Christ's witnesses. In your workplaces, in the midst of difficulties of work, be a witness and a testimony for Christ. Last week we were were taught about the fact that there's a group of people who have been called for specific calling to be missionaries, apostolos, and that is true. That during the time and even now there are people whom God has recalled to be missionaries. John and Shannon have been called full-time to serve in the Ministry for First Nations. Colin and Rachel, who would be giving a testimony here in a couple of minutes, will be doing missions work in Chad. And we support missionaries as a church. Noreen is one of our missionaries whom Knox has supported before. That's true. And God has called people in a church to be the apostles, messengers, to be the sent out ones. But we need to look at also the fact that God is also calling each one and every Christian into the ministry and in the mission field as his messengers. We need to look at that as our calling as Christians, that we could never be a Christian without being called out once that we show the gospel and express the gospel to everyone. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5.16 And if you look at the whole history of the church, you would look at how so many churches in the early times that were established actually not by missionaries, but by, early, by ordinary Christians. In Acts chapter 11, the church in Antioch was actually established by ordinary Christians who were persecuted in Jerusalem and escaped. And they were joined by people from Syria and Cyprus to build a church. It does not absolve Christians from the responsibility to do mission work in spite of the fact that there are specific people who are called to be apostolos. We are called into that space. And my friends, we are called into this space, in your workplaces, wherever you are, in this world, you are called to be God's presence, to be his witnesses. And if you'd notice actually the life of Paul, Paul was actually a tent maker also, although that was not his primary calling, but while he was a missionary, he was also a tent maker. And that's why one of the values of, of the teachings last week was that you could make use of your business as your mission. Your workplace becomes your mission field. And the only way for us also to be witnesses in our workplaces would be that we could work with excellence. We could work with graciousness and we could work with integrity. Let me remind you of this. The ways that we could worship God through our work would be that we could act in grace In our workplaces? When you are being persecuted by your boss or even by your workmates, how can you act with grace? When in the situation where oftentimes most of the people whom you are working with are not actually working according to the to the par and according to the level that needs to be explicit in the way that we work, how do you exercise your work? How do you show excellence in your workplaces? How can you show even passion for the way that you work so that they could say that your life is different? Or how could you even work with integrity where you do not bring office stuff to your home or things that are in your workplaces and always express where Christ's presence is always manifested in your life? There are so many opportunities for you to bring the gospel wherever you are. And in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you of the reason of the hope that you have in Christ. Always be prepared to give an answer and to give a reason for those who ask you for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. How do you do that in your workplaces? How could you be gentle and respectful when, you, when they ask you why you're happy in your workplace? That in the midst of the difficulties of your work, you are still so joyful, and they could see that hope that is in you. And you need to be ready to give an answer to those who ask for that, why, why are you hopeful? Why are you hopeful still in the midst of the fact that someone died in your family, that you still could express joy in the midst of grief and pain? How do you answer that? Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you, but with grace and gentleness. My friends, Avoda is a picture of an integrated faith. Avoda means work, worship, and service before God. It is an integrated life. It is an integrated faith. It is a life where there is no suppression between the sacred and the secular. Of leaving a split-level Christianity, or of compartmentalizing faith and work. It is integrated. It is not separate. It is united. And so, my friends, as we go back to our respective workplaces tomorrow, I pray that you would be Christ's presence. We are here to gather and to worship. But, my friends, when you go out, that is where you worship God at the same time. That is your mission field. That is where God's presence needs to be there. You see, light could only be appreciated the moment there is darkness. Let me repeat that. Light could only have value the moment there is darkness. And my friends, out there is darkness. And that is where the light of Christ needs to be seen. That is where you need to do your mission. Work and worship at the same time. That is God's calling for you. I would like to conclude this sermon with a video that speaks about how we could worship God through our work. Shall we show that video?
1: Work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine to five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business, work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their job. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job, We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us. Our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us. We are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days on our calendars that have meaning. Every day on Mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship.
0: Reflect on that reality that work is worship. I would just like to pose two reflective questions today. Something that we could bring as we go back to the mission field tomorrow. First, what area or aspect of our work which you find burdensome and that you do need God's grace? And second, in what way in your workplace can you give testimony for Christ? Let us reflect on those questions. Amen.